Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We are done with conference previews, guys, and that can only mean one thing. Colin, do you know what that thing is? Uh, I don't. Why don't you tell me? The season is here. (gasps) Yes. Yay. Yes. Like the first snow of the year. The CFF, C2C, Debbie crowd are just going nuts because we've got college football this week. And we have it for the next several months. Exciting, exciting times. I mean, the best game on the slate is Northwestern Nebraska. Do we care? Um, I care. Oh, do you mean like, do we care that that's the best game? We're just still excited? Or do we care yes. about the game? Oh. Yes. Yes. We don't care. That that's the best. Yes, game. we're we don't still care. excited. Good work. And yeah, that. Good work. That was Thank really, you. really good call. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, guys. So, so uh, the season is here. Uh, we are back to our normal schedule. Uh, campus life Mondays, uh, Canton bound Thursday nights. Um, that's all I got to say. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> Everyone knows how I feel about Canton bound at this point, Colin. It's not. We don't have to keep the charade up anymore. Colin is basically at this point holding a gun to my head and making me show up on Thursday nights. It's, it's quite not, there's something. No basi- there's no basically about it. Allegedly. It's bad. Yeah, allegedly. We don't, we don't, we don't, need, we don't want to swat Colin while we're doing one of these shows. Um, yeah. All right, guys. So for those of you who don't know, we really ramp things up during the season. We've picked up a lot of new listeners to the show, members at the website this year. Uh, and we've got a lot of new stuff this year just th- that we didn't do last year. So just for, for anybody that is hankering for more content, hankering for more information uh, to help with all of their leagues, all of their, their DFS, their betting, their whatever else you want to talk about, here's the lineup in terms of things that we have exclusively in season for you guys. If you didn't notice on our YouTube page, as of Monday morning, College Football Mornings, a new show that we're going to be doing every weekday morning, somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, uh, sometimes hosted by Matt Bruning. I believe he's like Monday, Thursday or something. Chris Moxley uh, is hosting Wednesday, Fridays. And then Colin and I will be on every Tuesday morning just talking about some waiver wire pickups. Um, so, And that will be exclusively on the YouTube channel. So go ahead, check that out over there every morning. Uh, when that launches, you can um, you can watch that and just get uh, daily news uh, information, any of that sort of stuff that you might be looking for. We have a weekly recruiting show that is going to be going on, not the official. Uh, that is as great as that show is. Just a a high school football. What happened this week in the high school game? Um, so be on the lookout for that on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, Friday or Saturday, I believe the tailgate guys. 10 a.m. to noon Eastern every Saturday morning before the games. Uh, that's sort of a lie because this week we're only going 11 to noon because there's just not much to talk about. Um, a ton of stuff on there, guys. We're going to have all sorts of different guests come on, do do different segments with us, start sit, uh, prize picks betting, uh, DFS, injury news, um, uh, matchups we're looking out for for the day. Um, uh targeted Debbie um, information as well. So all sorts of different stuff going on on that show at night after the games are all over college football tonight starts around 11 PM Eastern 
Um, and that will just be a sports center style show, just kind of recapping the day in college football. One hour there. Uh, Bet on C2C hit the podcast channel for the first time last week. That has uh, is a podcast hosted by Brandon Sanders, Chris Kay, and Ethan Sowers here. Um, they are going to be just covering a ton of DFS and prize pick stuff for you guys. Um, talking strategy, talking plays for the week, projections, um, all sorts of different advice there. Uh, really good primer episode last week, just kind of going through uh, what to expect for the show. So if you're looking for a show in that, realm go ahead check that out that will be dropping every wednesday i believe um that sounds right to me i think keep an eye on uh, yeah just just be on the lookout there's a new show every day uh ton of in-season articles guys weekly specialized content um possibly projections question mark uh a lot of betting dfs i know we're, we're kind of highlighting that a bunch of times here but that is um, a large part of our in-season focus. Um, so go ahead, check all of that stuff out. CampusDecant.com, the Campus Decanton podcast feed, the Campus Decanton YouTube channel. Um, and if you just if you just need a centralized place where you can kind of get updates on everything as we release it, uh, the Campus to Canton Twitter feed is going to be the spot for that. Um, I think that's all we have for housekeeping here to start off, Colin. Uh, shall we talk some news? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm tired of talking. I'm going to kick this over to you here and then not listen to you talk for uh, a couple just, minutes. I was completely tuning you out. So fair is fair. All is fair. All is fair. Um, all right. So I think the big news, which happened, uh, which broke not too long after we recorded last week, is that Quinn Ewers is the official starter for the Texas Longhorns to start the year. Um mm-hmm. I know. I, I too, am shocked, Colin. Um, tell us how shocked you are that we finally have this confirmation well i will start off by saying i was like on the bandwagon of it's not outside the realm of possibility for card to start uh card is the type of quarterback who has a lot of tools um you know big time arm he's very electric as an athlete he's more Kyler Murray as an athlete than, you know, like a, a long speed, like a long speed of a guy. He's got the short area quickness. Austin's sitting there shaking his head at me. Um, he's got the the short area quickness. So he's that type of an athlete. He's got good escapability. Um, it's all stuff that's going to show up well in practice. So it doesn't surprise me that he looks good in practice. But he folded under pressure in the game last year. Uh you know, so it doesn't surprise me that he made this an actual battle. But Ewers is always the more talented player. Uh, we had been saying all along that we believe Ewers is going to start. It's coming to fruition here now. And I think this is a better thing for the entire offense as a whole. Um, I think he Ewers just really raises the floor of this offense and raises the ceiling as well. So not super shocked that Ewers gets the start, but nice to get that confirmation and a nice, uh, nice win in the Matt for Matt Bruning in the Matt Bruning versus Felix Sharp rivalry. Matt needed one. Matt needed one. I felt, I felt good that he got this one. Um, I actually, so Colin, I actually meant to send it to you and I totally forgot. I'm going to have to go find it again. I was reading this article the other day about how stupid the people are that think that the Hudson card was going to start for the first two games. (laughs) And I thought of you immediately. So I have to go find it since you were the one that, as far as I know, birthed the idea many months ago, um, at least from like my circle of, of content consumption. 
Yeah, I mean, I said I, I, when we talked about it, I put it at like a 10% chance, but I wasn't ruling it out because, again, Card is the type of player who looks good in practice. I think both of these guys are still going to play against ULM. ULM is one of, if not the worst team in the country in the FBS. Um, they will be um, bottom 125 this year. I, I feel pretty good saying that. And so bottom 125 there's 125 teams in that i, I feel there's 126 right there's like 131 oh yeah yeah right. but i think you mean like bottom five or like below yeah, yeah. 125 yes that's what i mean being in the bottom 125 is like every team except for six so there's uh penn state will be bottom 125 this year i'd be willing that's to what bet. you think <laughs> um okay so they will be a bottom five team in the country better say it better that way but so i think texas is going to crush them both of these guys will get on the field but then the big question was what were they going to do against alabama it sounds like they are going to go with yours again he just i think makes that team better so it'll look a lot better on will anderson's um uh resume too when he says that he sacked uh quinn Ewers six times instead of hudson card yeah uh, just a flashier name uh, for him there. Um, let's head across the state of Texas uh, to Texas Tech. We weren't entirely sure. And I think this one was much closer. I think there were legitimate questions about who would start here. But Tyler Shuck has been named the starter at Texas Tech. Although it sounds like uh, at least early in the year, we might see uh, a couple of the other guys that were vying there for the starting quarterback position, Donovan Smith and Baron Morton. Um, sounds like both of them will probably stay at least for this season and kind of continue to fight their way uh, for the, the starting job there. Uh, we were really concerned about this because Colin, their new offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley was the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky last year. Uh, we all know what that offense did. We all know what that offense did at, uh, what were they at Houston Baptist before they went over there? Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a very, very prolific uh, offensive system. Uh, it doesn't necessarily seem like it matters. Uh, who all is involved people are going to score and score and score and score and score i I mean tyler shuck we've talked a lot about him on the show like we don't think that much of him as a player i'm not sure how good you have to be to be the quarterback in this system um so i actually like we can we can talk about shuck here in a minute but i want to actually want to ask you because i know you're a big baron morton guy i've been a, a very vocal donovan smith kind of guy although i've recognize that maybe this isn't necessarily off the offensive system for him, but what do you think this means for Baron Morton? Like, do you think that he will stay? He'll hang around the whole year. He'll compete and probably take the job next year. I think this, I think Shuck does not have too much life left here. No, I do think that that's the most likely scenario is Baron Morton takes over in 2023. Um, at this point, I don't see him being like um, Jarrett Dogie and, and entering the transfer portal after losing and, you know, seeing what he could do because he would be in the exact same situation where he wouldn't start in 2022 anyway, unless he's going to drop down pretty significantly, which I don't think he needs to do. So his best bet stick around play for 2023 and Shuck hasn't always been the most healthy. Um, I believe I heard a stat that he has not played an entire season um, where he has you know, so he's missed at least one game each time he's played. Um, so he gets banged up. I also don't think he has a particularly long leash as a starter here either. So I haven't really heard who is who is the number two between Morton and Smith. Uh, I think, 
Morton fits the system better. So I, I think it's more likely that Morton would be the backup there. I think it's a more seamless transition. You don't really have to change the offense at all. So if something happens to Shuck or if Shuck sucks, we could see Morton this year. But the best play, best, most likely scenario is, is 2023. And we're still going to want the quarterback in a Zach Hitley offense in 2023. I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they have anybody really, really good coming in. Although, again, like we just talked about, like it doesn't necessarily take a, a great quarterback to uh, to function in this offense. And I do agree with you as well that um, uh, it, it seems like Morton is more um, uh, stylistically f- a fit with this offense as opposed to Donovan Smith, who is a, a bigger, uh, uh, more athletic kind of scrambling, uh, does better out of structure kind of guy. Um, so. I, my my hope is that Donovan Smith transfers transfer somewhere, and I don't have a yeah. spot for him. Um, you know, I I think he is a power five level player, but he's a couple yeah. years into his career at this point. He actually missed his freshman year with an injury, so last year was his second year. This is his third year in school. At some point, he just has to go and get playing time. So I wouldn't mind him going to a. I'm just going to toss out names here. I've done. I don't. I'm not saying he's a mat like a a a Tulsa. Or a um, like honestly, Houston would be fun. He probably doesn't really fit in there um, no. in terms of. What but they're they going to either. need somebody. But like a, a school like that, like a, a fun school that's kind of around that area that um, is willing to be a little more creative with their quarterback. I think he would do very, very well uh, in that type of system. Uh, I know we said we'd circle back and talk about Chuck. I think we just kind of did. Um, and then just real quick, I do want to toss in here. It sounds like Jaron Bradley is making a case for himself to be the second wide receiver there. I know all offseason we've gotten a ton of questions and on Twitter and in our Discord, uh, in DMs, on you know wherever else, with people saying, we know Miles Price, the slot guy, is probably the guy that we really, really want there at Texas Tech, but who is the second guy? And we've been saying, we don't really know. But I think it sounds like Jaron Bradley, uh, a bigger boundary guy, has probably solidified himself as the wide receiver too, though there and um is available in a lot of leagues so if he's if he's free in yours and you've got some uh some some bench spots to fill i would be going after him yeah i would agree with that i mean we kind of figured it was between him and loic fun fungi um my 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 nemesis (laughs) um you know i I was kind of leaning more towards i thought it was probably going to be fungi um but jaron bradley was a guy that i highlighted last spring as a guy who made a little bit of noise last spring now he didn't really do anything last year but it's nice to see he's continuing to keep um you know progressing making some noise here this year he's a big body guy gonna be on the outside and that offense last year mitchell tinsley had i think it was like 1300 yards and like 14 touchdowns last year so there's plenty of room for another target in this offense besides Miles Price. So if Jaron Bradley is on your waiver wire at this point, I would probably go and scoop him up. But I know people were taking him late with, again, the mindset of, we don't know if it's going to be Bradley. We don't know if it's going to be Fungi, but one of these guys should be productive this year. The tough part about Fungi was that he's not very good at football. So that was always a very tough projection for me. I know we've just spent the last couple of minutes talking, like we don't know how good you have to be to be at the quarterback, but like you have to be like a functional football player. And I'm not convinced that Fungi's a, a functional football player, like really big athletic guy. He came into high school or to college, like basically not knowing how to play football at all. He's kind of the the Joe Joe um, of of Texas Tech. So I'm not a believer there. I'm 
I I think he's droppable if you kind of stash in this offseason based on whatever. Like I think they'll find other guys. That's not he's not a guy that I'm really targeting. I would wait for confirmation um, yeah, before just would. dropping him. But if he doesn't crack the starting lineup, I think that that's he's droppable then. Drake May is kind of the last big quarterback name here that has been uh, battling it out this spring and, and it was announced that he has this job at UNC. May is a second-year quarterback there, a bigger guy, 6'4", 6'5", um, moderately mobile, uh, pretty good arm. Like he, He's a, a, a very good player. He's not elite, and he was kind of around that cutoff last year of guys that I, I was not quite convinced would, would for sure take a job, such because there were other good quarterbacks uh on unc's roster it sounds like may is the starter sounds like they might play chris well still a little bit at the beginning of the season but i i think naming may the quarterback now dodges a little bit of the split quarterback thing like some people were predicting i think this kind of means that it's probably more or less May's show yeah we really all off season we projected this to be may um, there was definitely a battle, and I think it was a legitimate battle between May and Chriswell, and even you know, true freshman Connor Harrell has looked good at times this year too. So we weren't really sure, but I think we always kind of thought it was going to be May. It's nice to get that confirmation, and it's nice to get that confirmation early, like you said. I do think with May being named the starter earlier, I think it'll limit some of the um, swapping of quarterbacks. I'm sure Jacoby Criswell will have his packages, but I think they'll be probably a little bit more sporadic than uh, if they wait until right before week one for it to be May, if May didn't really seize that job. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I don't think the quarterback who got this job would have impacted how I feel about the skill guys there or anything like that. Um, so this is just going to be business as usual, um, for what we were projecting all those guys to do. Um, the last quarterback here, smaller name, but, but worth noting for sure. John Reese Plumley named the starting quarterback for UCF. This is going to be a really interesting experiment call. And he tried to play quarterback a little bit at Ole Miss, uh, kind of failed at it. And then was a wide receiver for them the past couple of years. Also, uh, was a pretty decent baseball player played on Ole Miss's baseball team. Uh, transferred over to UCF this offseason. Um, a, a really big rushing threat. Could have a 1,000 yards rushing this year. N- not a great passer, but it sounds like he made some improvements this offseason in that category. Um, definitely a guy that if he's available in your league, I'm going to snatch him up now because he has some league-winning upside there, quarterback. He could be Malik Cunningham, essentially, this year as a rusher. Maybe not the 20 touchdowns, but you get what i'm saying yeah yeah he could absolutely have a monster year this year especially running the football like you said a thousand yards definitely i think within his uh range of outcomes there and we've seen gus malzahn gus malzahn doesn't really like quarterbacks he he seems to like to take guys from other positions and slap them in there at quarterback and just see what this athlete can do um you know so i don't know how much i necessarily buy the strides he made as a passer you know, we'll see, but that's not really why you wanted him anyway. Again, you're getting potentially a thousand yard rusher at the quarterback position, probably gone him fairly late. Um, you know, so I, I do think he has some league winning upside there as well. Um, 
Yeah, I agree with that. I have him in a couple of leagues that I was really kind of thin at quarterback. Uh, I stashed him earlier this offseason. It looks like it uh, at least uh, appears to possibly be paying off. Uh, rumor has it, Colin. Let's just wrap it up here, the news with this. Yeah, you, you do your little Adele diva rumor dance here. Rumor has it. Rumor <laughs> has it. Um, so, Cincy, Colin, yeah, you threw me off. Sorry. Every kind of our favorite whipping boy this year, quite frankly, because it seems like that coaching staff has completely lost the plot. Um, they they bring back Ben Bryan, who failed there the first time and then failed at Eastern uh, Michigan and now has come back, named him the starter over Evan Prater at quarterback, or at least all indications in spring sound like that's going to be their decision. Corey Kiner also is not starting as of right now. It's going to be Montgomery there at running back, at least to start the year. Um, quite frankly, I embarrassing uh, for a coaching staff that we thought knew what they were doing, considering they got Cincy to the playoff last year. Maybe we're wrong. I, I mean, that's obviously very, very possible too. Um, but I will never admit that. No, never admit when you're wrong. Um, never surrender. But yeah, I think this is very perplexing. Like, there's a time and a place for veteran deference and Ben Bryant and Miles uh, and Ryan Montgomery are not the time when you have players as rawly talented. I don't know if Raleigh's a word, but we're going to use it as rawly it's talented as, <laughs> as Evan Prater and Corey Kiner are at Prater and Kiner just, raise the the ceiling on this team so much and they start off the year with arkansas i don't think they beat arkansas i i think with the way that they with with starting bryant and starting montgomery i think arkansas is going to beat them pretty handily like this team lost i think it was nine players to the nfl draft last year that sounds about right it was a lot yeah it was a lot like they had they were one of the teams that had the most players drafted they're replacing a lot of talent here and if you're not putting your next best talent on the field you're doing your team a disservice so i think sooner rather than later they will realize that they need to turn to prater and kiner it's just you know are they going to do it before they lose two three games um yeah i mean i i don't really know what they're doing i mean maybe they're just completely content to reset i think you know playing it safe at a school like since he doesn't really work um so like if their aspiration is to kind of repeat what they did last year i i think realistically they would not expect to do that but you know repeat as the conference champion i think would be a realistic goal for them um and, and be a, a borderline top 10 team like i think that should be the goal and it, it, i'm sorry but uh, would he be the worst Ben Bryant be the worst quarterback to to finish top 10 at a school and like I mean Stetson Bennett won a national championship last year but he's <laughs> he's functional um yeah. like I don't know that Ben Bryant's actually functional yeah I don't think Ben Bryant is functional I mean he didn't do anything at Eastern Michigan last year he was terrible at that level and I mean it, it is the AAC but the AAC is a solid conference you know they're not power five but they're a very solid G5 conference and yeah, it just uh, Ben. I don't know what they're doing with Ben Bryant. Uh, I just looked up the line um, for that Cincinnati Arkansas game. Cincinnati's seven point um, underdogs, and I would probably still take Arkansas on the points because I think they're just going to get crushed if they start Bryant and and Montgomery. 
Um, yeah, so let's let's move on here, Colin. Before we uh, dip into uh, the second kind of big segment here in the show, two things, guys. First off, we are a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts. Uh, go check all of those shows out in one place at Fantasy Points Live or check out their weekly Friday drop. And if you're looking for additional college fantasy content this year, uh, promo code CAMPUS20. CAMPUS20? CAMPUS22. Crap. Now nah, I got that 22. wrong. I think it's 22 as well. Campus 22 gets, the year. gets you a discount on a membership over there. So if you guys are just looking for another place, they've got uh, some great college fantasy folks uh, over there as well. Um, and then real quick, guys, um, our recruiting team is doing a recruiting summit this week. Our first uh, annual one. We're going to try to make this a, a yearly show uh, previewing the 2023 recruiting class. And that is right, guys. We are previewing next year's class already. It's never too early to start thinking about some of those guys, especially as they relate to future draft picks. You can join Matt Bruning, uh, Matt, David, Alfred, and myself. Colin, are you going to be on that show? I will not be on that one. I'm okay. not I'm not nearly deep enough into my recruiting rankings to join you sickos. I, I thought that was the case, but I didn't want to leave you out and then have you be salty at the end here. So I think that's going to be the group there. I appreciate we're, that. And we're going to dive into some of our early favorites and fades of the 2023 recruiting class. All right, Colin, just one big block here tonight, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, one more trade. Season starts this weekend. We've all kind of got that one guy that we're trying to sneak in under the wire as a, as a trade candidate before uh, we think they're going to break out this year. Uh, we each picked a couple of names of guys that we're kind of trying to pick up in places. Colin, uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us off uh, with your first name? Uh, yeah, so my first name here on the list is Kenny McIntosh, running back for Georgia. Uh, Kendall Milton has been banged up a bit again this offseason. Uh, in, in this fall so far, which, you know, it's, they're probably being a little bit more conservative with him, I would think, but still not a good sign that he's already dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, cause that's been one of his biggest things is, you know, can he stay healthy? Uh, he hasn't really so far throughout his career. Uh, and if he can't stay healthy this year, um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, Andrew Paul tore his ACL. Uh, so he's going to be out for the year. He had been making some noise. Um, you know, Branson Robinson's still there. He's a talented back in his own right. Uh, Daywan Edwards is there too. You know, he's a guy. Um, but if Ken, if Kendall Milton can't stay healthy, it should be Kenny McIntosh's show. Uh, you know, and he's a versatile player. He catches the ball well. He, he you know gets some time on special teams, returning some kicks. He's got really good NFL size. If he ends up leading that Georgia backfield this year, uh, you know I think there's a very very good chance he goes day two. Um, we've seen a lot of Georgia running backs go day two, and I know this is a running joke that everybody has a path to day two uh, draft capital, but Georgia running backs have a better path than most. So if he can lead that backfield this year. Or, you know, even if he doesn't necessarily lead it, even if he starts off the year hot and then splits with Milton or finishes the year hot because of a Milton injury or whatever, if he can stay healthy, I think Kenny McIntosh is going to have a really nice year this year. And his value isn't that high right now. It's climbing a little bit, but you can still get him pretty cheap. I think it's really cool that you picked a guy that we talked about last episode or like last week on a podcast. 
Um, really, really nice uh, mixing it up there, Colin. Uh, when we what? talked about the SEC East. Oh, okay. We talked Georgia. We, talked about the we spent a conference. we we spent a very a decent chunk of our Georgia discussion talking about Kenny McIntosh and if he's undervalued or not. Well, I you wanted to highlight it again because he's a guy that I'm tar- targeting in a trade. So, okay. who's your who's your guy? Who are you targeting? Uh, he's not on Georgia. He's not in the SEC at all. In fact. We covered his conference uh, like five, six weeks ago. Preston Stone, quarterback at SMU. Um, I think if you can find an owner that is disappointed that he didn't win the job again this year, that someone that maybe drafted him as a freshman last year and has now had to sit with him on his bench for two years, uh, taking up a very valuable bench spot, uh, it's not going to be cheap uh, because he is going to take over that offense next year. I think, you know, at this point, that's that's pretty much a given, and I'm sure promises have been made behind the scenes. Uh, Stone is is one of the more uh, talented quarterbacks in the AAC, quite frankly, and I think virtually any other team in that conference he would be starting for. And honestly, he'd be starting for the majority of teams in Texas. Um, there, there aren't a, t- a ton of teams around there that that would not be happy to have him. He's just a really good player scrambler can make things happen with his legs uh really nice arm it sounds like he's been very good at practice the issue hasn't been him it's just been that he's had some very talented uh competition in tanner mordecai a guy that you were very high on last year and you you thought that he would win that job and he did and and has gone on to have uh, a really productive time at smu but i i mean i think stone can basically just step in and do everything that mordecai is doing in fact it wouldn't shock me if at the end of the day he ends up being a better fantasy player than tanner mordecai has who was a top quarterback option last year. So I think um, if you can find a disappointed stone owner and if you can pry him away uh, for a a fair price instead of having to overpay, then I think I'm definitely pulling the trigger on that. And I have been knocking on a few doors, although it hasn't been uh, too successful so far. Yeah, I like the the Preston Stone call because you know this was a legitimate battle all, all year. And if Tanner Mordecai... Um, wasn't one of the most productive college quarterbacks last year from a fantasy standpoint, you know, and and just a sheer production standpoint. I I think that Preston Stone absolutely could have won this job. I mean, you know, yes, it's a new staff, but Mordecai played well last year. He faded a little bit down the stretch, but he still played well. It was a legitimate battle all offseason, and that's not a knock on Stone. Like you said, that he could start for a lot of teams in Texas. Um, Honestly, probably – most team not he won't start over Quinn Ewers, but I think I would take him over anybody Texas A&M has the offer. I'd take oh, yeah. him over anybody that TCU has the offer. You know, so there's a lot of other schools that he would start for G5 or P5. He's a talented player in his own right. And I think he has better tools than Mordecai. So, you know, I could absolutely see him having a potential NFL future he he'll I think he'll make a roster somewhere provided he can get on the field um which sounds like it's going to be more of a next year thing but if you can wait a year I like stone um yeah uh you're really playing the hits on yours here tonight Colin I appreciate that I mean I'm going after you said who's one more guy that you're targeting and and these are the last guys that I want to try to get before the season starts because they're guys I believe in um, next guy up for me is Trey Palmer, uh, wide receiver for Nebraska, uh, transferred from LSU. He was a four-star recruit, number 18 cl- uh, wide receiver in the class of 2019 when he enrolled in LSU. 
he was on that prolific, um, you know, best college, one of the best college offenses of all time team from 2019, uh, playing behind Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, um, you know, but he managed to not be a year one zero, you know, through work on special teams mostly. Uh, he returned kicks very well. You know, then Keishon Boutte came in. He's a stud. We know we like him a lot. He's one of, if not the most talented wide receiver in college right now. Um, he was stuck behind him. But he really failed to seize that role last year after Boutte went down, which is a little bit disappointing. But going over to Nebraska, he's going to be paired with new offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who just produced the Bolitnikoff Award winner. Um, Jordan Addison had a hundred catches, 1600 yards, 17 touchdowns last year. Obviously that's, you know, not going to happen for Palmer, but Palmer seems to be the wide receiver one for Nebraska this year. And I think he could have some really sneaky CFF production. He also strikes me as a guy who will do well at the senior bowl. Uh, if he decides to go, cause he does have two years of eligibility left with that COVID year. Um, He's got he's a dynamic receiver. He's versatile. I think there's some NFL potential there as well. So you heard it here first, guys. Trey Palmer will be your next Bolitnikoff Award winner. Yeah, that was that was my cram session hot take. No, I know that's not what you're saying. Um, and for what it's worth, I kind of agree with you. I, I mean, I'm not. I probably am not quite as high on him this year. I don't know where do you, where do you have him ranked? We talked about it a little bit in the wide receiver summit, like 50s, 60s. Um, yeah, I think it's like 54. I think I have him eighties or nineties. So not like super high, but not super low either. Um, I mean, LSU, uh, pedigree, former four-star guy. He's got some, some things to like there. It's not just some, some random dude that Nebraska picked up. Um, cause they have a tendency to try to do that sometimes. Um, I also chose a wide receiver here for my second name, Colin, uh, Caden Prather, wide receiver, of West Virginia. Um, I understand why Bryce Ford Wheaton is the presumed uh, wide receiver one there because um, he's more experienced. He's been there and they've had some really good things to say about him in camp. I just don't think he's as talented as Caden Prather. And yes, I've been talked into this a little bit by some of my campus to Canton brethren, specifically uh, Nate Marquise uh, and uh, Mike Valerie, both uh, have been high on Prather all offseason. I was a little bit of a doubter. Um, but I just, this offense is going to produce a high-end wide receiver play. Um, I believe the second year that Graham Harrell, who's the offense coordinator at West Virginia, his second year at USC, he produced two 100-yard receivers. And his first year, he still produced, I believe, like an 80-catch guy and a 60-catch guy. So like, if you're saying this is the year where they kind of blood everybody in, make sure everybody understands the system, yada, 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 get familiar with the air raid, um, I still think he could be the, the 60 catch guy there. If he gets the, the starting job, that's a 70, 80 catch guy. And if it's, you know, in his second year next year, that's that he's a potentially a hundred yard guy. Like, I don't think he's much worse of a player than Michael Pittman was in college, for instance, who, who started there for, for USC. The big question is going to be quarterback play. And I don't know, again, this is a system that it doesn't necessarily matter who the quarterback is. I mean, Keaton Slovis has put up some pretty good numbers in this offense. Um, so JT Daniels, the guy this year, and then they have some other talented guys behind him. I just think he's he's a very obvious trade candidate uh, for folks trying to kind of get cheap depth that could end up starting for you this year, and if not this year, uh, the next year. I think 
the nice thing about that offense is that the the air raids kind of matchup proof. So like if you're targeting assets in those offenses, like they're always they're going to throw the ball a bajillion times a game no matter what. They're going to play with some tempo, and it doesn't matter what the score is. If they're up a bunch, they're going to pass the ball. If they're down a bunch, they're going to pass the ball. So I like that there's kind of this, you know, it, it takes a lot of the, well, West Virginia's not going to be a good team, or, you know, who cares? Who cares? I think Prather will still be really, really good there. Yeah, I think he will too. I think the West Virginia offense is one that's being slept on a little bit um, as probably one of the most pass heavy and one of the more dynamic offenses out there. You know, we think it's going to be Prather, but even if it is Bryce Ford Wheaton, like you said, there's room for both of them, especially with a quarterback like JT Daniels at the helm, you know, who has talent as long as he can stay healthy, you know, behind him, a little bit of a question mark. Nico Markiall is a guy that, you know, I think could step in and take over, but he's a true freshman. So, you know, I don't know what the offense would look like if JT Daniels went down. But with a healthy JT Daniels, I think Caden Prather has wide receiver one uh, within his range, a, a wide receiver one for CFF within his range of outcomes. Yeah, he's not, I, I don't necessarily think he's an explosive player waiting to happen guy, but in that kind of offense, I just don't think you have to be to consistently put up decent numbers. I don't, I don't think, think you have to be Drake a guy London that, was. Yeah, you're not hoping that he that he uh, is catching an 80-yard bomb. Like you're happy with eight catches for 95, 97 yards and, and a touchdown. Like that's that's a very realistic, you know, weekly-ish kind of game log for him. I think, you know, that, that, that's more than fine with me. Uh, bring her home, Colin. Uh, tell us your third one. I'll say my third one, and then we're going to get out of here at a decent hour. I, I might actually get some sleep tonight. Holy crap. <laughs> I know. What a change. I mean, we've cool. been up very late the past couple nights um, that we've been recording these. But my last one here uh, is another guy that I've been very high on. So like you said, I'm just playing the hits on this one. Uh, tight end uh, for Miami, Elijah Arroyo. Um, you know, he was a four-star guy in last year's class. Um you know, looked good in the spring of last year, had some limited work. I think he had like three catches last year, but I believe two of those three went for 15 or more yards. So he's an explosive guy. He's a good athlete. He's got good size. Um, and Will Mallory just cannot seem to stay healthy. Banged up last year. He's banged up in the second half of spring with a labrum injury. You know, he's, he says he's healthy, but, you know, he's been kind of in and out. Um, and Josh Gaddis's offense, it doesn't necessarily highlight the tight end, but it definitely involves the tight end last year. Tight end, Eric all for Michigan was actually their second leading receiver on the team. Uh, 38 catches, 437 yards, two touchdowns. This was not a particularly explosive passing attack last year. And they did lose Ronnie bell, uh, very, very early in the season. Who was their number one wide receiver, but this is an offense that's going to get the tight ends involved. They have said as much all offseason. Everything you read, they're going to get these tight ends involved because their wide receivers are not very good. Xavier Restrepo is the guy who's been drawing the most noise, and he's like a slot guy. He's pretty small. I don't particularly think that highly of him anyway. Um, oh, we're, but these we, about Xavier. Friendship has ended with Xavier Restrepo. I think it sounded like Keyshawn Smith has kind of been taking the reins from him in the past oh. few days. I don't. Okay. I, don't, I just heard some rumblings there. Okay. Well, I mean, either way, the boundary guys have not looked good. Um, they've been really struggling on the boundary there too. So they're going to need a bigger body guy. And I think even if Will Mallory does stay healthy, Elijah Royo can have a nice year this year. If, if Mallory can't stay healthy. 
would not surprise me at all if uh, Elijah Arroyo was their leading receiver in a, in a category or two or second in all of the categories. So I think he has a big year coming. And I like his NFL potential as well. Like I said, good athlete, good size. Miami just produces tight ends really no matter what staff is there. Yeah, they do. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, I like Arroyo a lot too. It sounds like they um, they they the staff there is pretty high on him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I uh, I definitely do not hate that call. Um, I also chose a running back for my third guy here, calling Amani Bailey, running back at TCU, listed as a junior, has a couple years of eligibility left. Um, Former UL guy, kind of the what well, part of the exodus out of there this offseason when head coach of Billy Napier left UL to go to Florida. Um, and we talk all the time, like UL has a talented backfield all the time. Like, look at the guys in the NFL they have right now. They have Trey Regis, they have Elijah Mitchell, they have um, uh, uh, they put somebody else in recently as well. And then they had the the, the monster backfield there last year. Calais. Chris, yes, thank you, Raymond Calais. Uh, and then they had Imani Bailey last year. They had uh, Montreal Johnson now at Florida, and they had Chris Smith. Like very, very, very talented backfields uh, over the past handful of years. He's dynamic. He can catch passes. It sounds like they they really like him in the passing or in the receiving game. He caught like a seventy yard touchdown or something in their scrimmage this past weekend. Um, I think that people are just assuming that Kendrick Miller is going to take this job, and I agree that I think Kendrick Miller is a good player. I don't think he's. Uh, the quality of player that that some folks do. Uh, I, I, he's an NFL guy, but I think he's a day three NFL guy, um, which is to say that that's a guy that's not going to like hog all the touches. Um, so I think there are going to be touches for Bailey. I think that offense uh, is going to be much more explosive this year. And so um, I, I'm pretty interested in Bailey. He's a really nice kind of, um, uh, you know, alternative play if you don't want to spend up for Kendry Miller, but you can kind of get the the lesser guy. Now, honestly, you might he might still be on waivers in your league, um, but uh, definitely a guy worth stashing. Um, and honestly, if something happens to Miller, he's like a every week starter there. Uh, he's just a really really good player. Yeah, I, I think he's a good player as well. I think he lost his luster a little bit transferring to TCU when Traylon Smith um, was going to transfer from Arkansas to TCU. Traylon Smith ended up um, going to uh, UTSA instead. So that does lighten up some of that workload in the backfield. And I don't know if everybody's necessarily caught up to Imani Bailey yet, because I do think he's probably available in, you know, a decent amount of leagues out there, probably slightly sub 50%, but, you know, decent amount of leagues out there. And like you said, you know, if something happens to Miller, he's an every week player. Sonny Dykes, at least recently, has been more uh, of a committee backfield approach. You know, when he was at SMU, it was Trey Siggers, um, and it was um, Ulysses Bentley. So Why? I love that Siggers came to mind first. I love, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just he's the one who came to mind first. There, I almost forgot Bentley. But I, I, either way, I, I think there's going to be a role for Bailey in this offense this year. Um, yeah, and then. One last note that I meant to say for Elijah Arroyo. Um, oh God, we're backtracking. Oh. I just, I just totally forgot. He's down to eight percent body fat, and he's at two hundred and fifty pounds. Um, so he's reshaped his body. He admitted he was kind of fat last year. So, Colin, what do you think we quote, would weigh if we were at eight percent body fat? Oh my God, if I was eight percent body fat, I'd be, I'd probably be like one sixty. <laughs> I got a lot guys, of fat. 
you guys have to see the face that Colin made as <laughs> he was thinking about that. It was really good. I don't know if I've ever seen you make that one before. Um, all right, guys, I think that's going to do it for tonight's show. Again, uh, take a look at all the other podcasts over there on the feed. Thank you guys for your reviews this week. We got in the past week close to 10, not quite 10, but we were pretty close. So um, we appreciate uh, that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you guys, everybody, very, very much for that. If you have not done that yet, please just go on the Campus to Canton uh, podcast feed. Give us a five star review um, and tell us what you like about the show. Um, campuscanton.com guys check out everything we have over there again things are really going to be ramping up here in the next uh, couple of days really um and then last thing if you are looking to get into some player props this year guys we have a partnership with prize picks we do a ton of different content around prize picks uh in in our discord on twitter and then uh, on the bet on c2c pod and the tailgate in the mornings like uh, across a ton of shows a uh, ton of platforms. We do a ton of different um, uh, picks for prize picks. And if anyone's not familiar with it, it's basically a player props website. Uh, and it, it is all you you have to uh, it, it's parlay. So if, if you're not yeah. familiar with that concept, it's you pick between two and five different props that you like. You string them all together and you can either play it so that if all of them hit, you win a big, big amount of money. Or, if, you know, a couple of them hit, you hit a smaller amount of money. Basically, this is stuff that you're already doing anyway throughout the week. You know, you're you're eyeing up is Nicholas Singleton. He's not on there this week. Going to have 95 yards rushing, maybe good. I don't know. Over under. That's the kind of stuff we'll walk you guys through. Kind of show you some of the. Um, they have the, fantasy the, points on there too. Yes, they do. Uh, so week in, week out, um, we'll be coming at you with all that good stuff. Promo code C2C gets you a initial deposit match up to a hundred dollars and. $29.99 toward any membership here at Campus to Canton. So if you're not a member, you've always thought about it. Uh, we're going to get you signed up for prize picks, deposit money. We'll win you more money. And then you get free membership stuff. That's a pretty good deal there. Um, so, so go ahead and do that again. Promo code C2C. Um, you will see us in the morning here. Uh, on uh, uh, first waiver wire Tuesday, right and bushy tailed. Yes, I I think that this is going to be a really fun thing that we get to do every Tuesday morning, Colin. Just the two of us, you know, a little little coffee in hand. Um, I'm not used to the mornings like that. That's, no, <laughs> I'm not a morning person. It's brutal. It's brutal. Um, I think that's it, guys. Until next time, I'm Austin, and this is Colin. Have a good. One.